I'm a bit, I'm a bit nostalgic at, at Christmas. Um, anybody still got your Christmas decorations up? No, no judgment. We, 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 we got like the whole star thing going on. So I'm not, I'm, we're thinking about just leaving it up for next year. And that way we're planning ahead. Um, but at Christmas, I get nostalgic and I just start thinking about past Christmases, good stuff. I mean, I'm not here to talk about bad stuff. Anytime you talk about triggering memories, trigger has become like a trigger word. Have y'all noticed that? You can't even say trigger anymore. Um, but this Christmas, I started thinking about some, some really great Christmases that I've had in the past. And isn't it weird how you can just remember random stuff about your childhood, just random stuff? It was 1981, December 1981. I was 11 years old. And my dad wanted to get something nice for my mom. Now, we, we lived in Easley, so our options for niceness, were, that were, they were limited. Um, we didn't have any malls. In fact, the Haywood Mall hadn't even been built yet. And so in Easley, if you wanted to get something nice for somebody, you went to Belk. Um, the old people called it Belks, and that, like Walmarts and, and Second Chances and all that stuff, but, but it, was, it was Belk. And uh, I knew, I knew something was happening when, when we drove by Sears to get to Belk. And I was like, oh man, I'm getting mama something nice. And we walked in to Belk and I saw something that changed my life. When I saw it, I, I never had seen anything like it before. And as soon as I saw it, I wanted it. Some of you are like, what was it? Well, I'm glad you asked. I got a picture of it. Some of you are like, what? is that. <laughs> Y'all help me. That is an, uh, a, yeah, yeah, it's an Atari. I, I'd never seen one of these. I didn't, I didn't know you could have a, like a home game system. And this thing was amazing. So I stood there and I played it because they had that out on display. I, it, it came with a game called Combat. Um, and I, I played this other kid. I whipped him pretty bad. I mean, because I, I was naturally pretty good at it. My dad came back by. He said, what do you think about that? I said, dad, that's all I want for Christmas. He said, well, you know, we've already kind of got your Christmas present. I, t I said, take them all back. I said, that, I said, that's all I want. I said, in fact, dad, not only, you know what? This can be next Christmas too. In my mind, if my father would have said, what about all Christmases ever? I'd have been like, yes, because in my mind, I, now I was 11 years old and at 11 years old, we all need to admit that our thinking was a bit limited. Agree? My child's brilliant. He's 11, okay? Maybe, maybe not, but at 11, our minds can only conceive a certain amount of like thought and, and we can only think so far ahead. I thought that right there would bring me satisfaction for the rest of my life. That's all I wanted. That's all I was ever gonna want until the mid 80s came out and, and produced that. How many had one of these? da 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 Okay, okay, let's see how many. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start. What was that? Contra code, right? Some of you are like, what? Up, up, down, down, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. Is that the new Cardi B song? No, 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 no. That's, that, that's the Contra code. Okay, we'll just kind of skip over that. That right there was awesome. Mike Tyson punch out, played it for days. And I was like, man, I, not that, that will satisfy me. I'll never want anything else until the Super Nintendo came out. And if you had just a regular Nintendo, that was no, because Super Nintendo, they, for me, Tecmo Bowl changed my life. 
I played Tecmo Bowl. We had Tecmo Bowl tournaments. And I thought, man, it can't get any better than this. And it did. The original PlayStation, which was amazing. Now, that some of you are like, what is that? Well, you, you can go find one in an archaeological dig with dinosaurs, but this is called the PlayStation 1. And, and, and this was all I wanted. Now, I don't even know what we have. I seriously, I came to students one night, they were playing a game out there and I thought the guy was gonna come through the screen and, and serve me a cup of coffee. It looked so real. But what I'm trying to say is, all of us have been at that place where we saw something and oh my gosh, if I had that, if I had that, I would be happy for the rest of my life. I never would want anything else. So let me just ask an honest question tonight. Aren't you glad that God didn't give you everything that you asked for? Because if he did, let's be honest, most of us wouldn't be here tonight. We might not even be alive. We, we ask for things, and we ask for things based on what I'm gonna call our limited knowledge. Now, let me be very clear. I'm not calling anybody dumb. I'm not calling anybody stupid. I, we got some smart people in this room. We got some smart people watching online. I'm not trying to diminish anybody's intelligence. This is what I'm saying. Our thinking compared to God's thinking is incredibly limited. Would you agree, yes or no? So this, where I'm getting is this is the time of year. I mean, it's January 1st, New Year's resolutions, right? Let's set some goals, let's set some plans, let's write them down. We're gonna get in shape, we're gonna exercise, we're gonna, we're gonna spend money wisely, and we do it for like three or four days, we're committed to it, then we kind of fall off the wagon, right? But spiritually, what we do oftentimes is we'll have these ideas and these plans and these dreams and we'll take them to God and we'll say, God, can you do this? I want you to do this. And nothing's wrong with that. I've done that. There's nothing wrong with that. What I'm saying is, what if we approached it a little bit different this year? Because the Bible says, and we gave you a card with this verse on it last week and it was, we, had a, we had some left over so we put them in your chair again. The Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 55, verse eight and nine. God says this, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. In other words, when it, when it comes to planning out your life, God is like, you're, a, you're an 11-year-old at belt looking at an Atari and thinking that's the best thing in the world. God says, uh-uh, it gets better. And, and in this next verse, and I sent this out in the devotion this morning, but if the Bible says something in a verse, it's very important. If the Bible repeats itself in that verse, it says, it says the word twice, you really need to lean in. If it says it three times or more, that's a big deal. So with that in mind, let's look at the very next verse, what Isaiah said. For just as the heavens are higher, that's one, than the earth, so, are, so my ways are higher, that's two, than your ways. And my thoughts are higher, that higher, higher, higher. You can go home, listen to some Creed tonight. You're welcome. Can you take me higher? Okay, so we got that. By the way, I like that song. Just, I'm no judgment on Creed. Little, but anyway, I love the fact that God says, why would, why would you want me to, to settle for your plans when my plans for your life are so much better. So what if, what if we approached 
2023. And listen, if this don't work, we can go back to making our list and our goals and our resolutions and being disappointed that we don't hit or whatever. This is my, this is my big idea for 2023. What if we prayed this prayer every day? Jesus, give me your thoughts. Show me your ways. Instead of saying, this is an Atari, that's all I want. And Jesus, why don't we say, you know what, God? Here I am. You, you made me. You created me. You put me on this planet. You have a plan. So here's the deal. Give me your thoughts. Show me your ways. I will guarantee you that his thoughts are greater and his plans are higher. Now, here's the question. Here's the question that we're gonna wrestle with for the, just the next few minutes. How do we know God's thoughts and how do we know God's ways? How, how can we hear God's thoughts and how can we know God's ways? I'm gonna give you three things that we can do, three, three big ideas tonight that you can write down. And if you're not taking notes, church is a great place to take notes because we forget stuff all the time, all right? So if, if you're taking notes, write this down. And if you're not taking notes, write this down. All right, here we go. There's three main ways we can get God's thoughts and know God's ways. Number one, his church. <laughs> now, everybody in this room has a crazy church story. Everybody. And if you don't have a crazy church story, then you're a part of somebody's crazy church story. You just need to know. I, I've got crazy church stories for days. I remember when I got my first job in Pickens, South Carolina at Griffin Baptist Church. They, they, they paid me. They paid me to come to church. Now relax, it was Pickens, South Carolina. It was Griffin Baptist. It wasn't a lot of money. Their, their motto is, God, if you'll keep them humble, we'll keep them poor. So, so that, but, but I, I didn't care. I was, I was working in the church and this was my thought pattern. I get to work in a church with the saints of God who love Jesus, and we're gonna pray, and we're gonna read our Bibles, and we're gonna sing worship songs, and it's gonna be the most glorious job ever. And I learned over time, Christians will make you drink. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there as a hypothetical. It's insane, I remember. So I was a youth pastor, and a friend of mine was a senior pastor. He's a little bit older than me, and he got a, young, he got a small church, and he, we would call each other, and he, <laughs> He called me on a Wednesday and he said, brother, let me, we were Baptists. And so in the Baptist church, everybody's brother or sister. I don't know if you can say that today, but, 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 but we had brother and sister. All right. And so he was like, Hey brother, would you pray for me tonight? I said, yeah, brother, well, what's going on? He said, we're having a business meeting. Let me pause. If you've never been to a Baptist business meeting, it has the potential, I mean, Netflix documentaries would just, I mean, Tiger King ain't got nothing on a Baptist business. Now, sometimes they go good, and then sometimes they get a little bit rowdy, because this is where you come in. It's supposed to be prayer and business meeting, very little prayer, and all up in your business, because we go through the budget, and we look at everybody's salary, and we look at how much you spent, and why'd you spend this much, and why are we buying those light bulbs when we could have bought these other, and why, why's the carpet this color? It's insane. So he was like, we're having a business, and I'd been to business meetings. I'd never been to a, a rowdy one, not at that point. And he said, pray for us, brother. He said, the business meeting tonight has the potential to be a bit contentious. I was like, oh. Yeah, man, I'll pray for you. So I, we talked for a few minutes, hung up the phone, 
prayed for him right then because if I don't pray for, if I, if I tell you I'm gonna pray for you and I don't pray for you right then, I forget. So just tell me, just pray for me now and I will just get it done, okay? So, so hung up the phone and this was pre-internet. So we didn't have like people taking stuff on their phones and we didn't, we had like a 14-4 modem, right? It would take 17 years to download a picture. So the next day I called him. I said, hey brother, how'd your, uh, how'd your business meeting go? He said, brother, we had to call the law. I thought he was making a reference to the first five books of the Bible, which is the Torah, which is called the law in Jewish scriptures. I went, you had to call Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. And he said, no, stupid. I dialed 911 from my phone. I said, shut up. He said, no. I said, how did it happen? He said, it started. He said, it started. What happened was two deacons, you can't make this up. I know it sounds like a church joke. Two deacons were at the soundboard and they started a fight over who was gonna run sound at the business meeting. I said, like they were yelling at each other? No, they were swinging at each other, <laughs> fighting. And he said, and that was the good part. After that, it got crazy. And I went, oh my gosh. Now, if we're looking for reasons to not come to church, all of us can find a reason. If, if you don't have a personal reason, you can just Google, why should I not go to church? And there are reasons that we shouldn't, in our minds, go to church. We, we have crazy church stories. And this has caused a, a group of people, there's a certain group of people in this world that say, you know what, I love Jesus, but I'm not really for the church. Here's the good news and the bad news. If you love Jesus, church isn't an option. It's not. You can't separate Jesus and the church. It's impossible. I'll show you. This is, I could, I had a dozen examples listed, but this is the one that I felt I needed to share tonight. So there's a guy in the book of Acts, and his name is Paul, and he wrote a lot of the New Testament, like Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, he wrote all that. But before he was Paul, he was Saul. And before he was a Christian, he persecuted Christians. And so we see right after he led the charge against the first martyr in the church, we see in Acts chapter eight, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, says this about Saul. He says this, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. Now, stay with me because this phrase is huge. In fact, destroy the church. He was trying to destroy the church. He was, let's say it together on three. One, two, three. Destroy the, he was trying to destroy the church. That's what I'm trying to say. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. So everybody on the same page, Saul was trying to destroy the what? Church, okay, so in Acts chapter nine, the very next chapter, he's on his way to Damascus to destroy the church. And that's where he meets Jesus. He's riding a horse and Jesus knocks him off his horse. And watch what Jesus says, because Jesus' choice of words is fascinating. Jesus said this, as he was approaching Damascus on this mission to destroy the church, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. 
he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? If I'm Saul, I push back. Not persecuting you, persecuting the church. And Jesus is like, don't get it twisted. If you mess with my church, you mess with me. We can't be separated because the church is the bride of Christ. So, so when, it comes to, when it comes to church, we don't get the option. Now, it, every, and every, every church, every church is messed up. Every church is crazy. No church is perfect. You, know, you want me to prove to you that this church is not perfect? Look who you're sitting next to right now. Just look at them. Look at them. Just look at them and tell them this church is not perfect because of you. Just kind of share that with them because they might not know. This church is not perfect because of you. Some of y'all are saying that with a lot of enthusiasm. You might need to calm that down. Now say this with me. This church is not perfect because of me. Yeah, not as much enthusiasm right there. This, you will never find a perfect church. And if you find one, don't join. You'll screw it up, okay? I'm not saying you got to be, a, I'm, I'm not saying go find a perfect church. I'm saying you got to pick a church, pick a team and get in, get involved. Because at the end of the day, we can't separate Christ and his church. And I can't speak for every church, but I can tell you the vision of this church. And our vision is to create an environment where people can experience the presence of Jesus every single week. The reason we have that vision is because I believe with all my heart that we can't come into the presence of Jesus on a consistent basis and stay the same. Over time, as we experience, Experience his presence, he will change the way we think, he will change the way we feel, eventually he will change the way we behave because when we have his presence, we have his power because power is attracted to presence and when the power of God and the presence of God fall on the people of God, there's no way we can stay the same. We have to change because Jesus is the one doing the changing. So at the end of the day, the church should be a place where we really can hear from God. God can move, God can speak to us, God can set our hearts on fire, his church. The second, the second thing that we can do to get God's thoughts, and this one's, I mean, this, this is easy, this is like a toss-up, okay, is, is, is his word, the word of God. The word of God is the will of God. I've had a lot of people like, like I need to know the will of God. How much time are you spending in the word? Because the word always leads to the will. Set this illustration up for just a second. I, uh, I love to write. I love to write. And, and, and uh, it's just a, like when people say, ah, oh, those devotions are, yeah, I love to write them. I've written books. I love to, I love to write articles. I love to write. It's a, I, like if somebody says, I got to write a 10-page paper. I'm like, man, that is awesome. Something's wrong with me, I know. I love to write. And I love to read. And I, I, I read in seasons. My, my main reading season is the summer. And I'll read 30 or 40 books in the summer. I just devour, I mean, I love to read. I love to write. I love to write stuff and I love to gather information. Now, with that in mind, have you ever felt just sucker punched in life? Like you, something, like you were having the best day in the world and spiritually you just got sucker punched by the devil and you're like, what in the world's going on? With that in mind, I was, I had written an article back in October on repentance and I posted it on the Facebook. 
Um, and listen, you may have read it. You may not have read it. it honestly, it wasn't that good. I mean, it, was, it had some misspellings in it. And don't worry, every time I misspell something, somebody is, I have at least 14 people that let me know that I misspell the word. Thank you very much. It's why you don't have many friends, but I appreciate the way you watch out for the grammar police people, okay? So I posted the article on repentance. I just wasn't trying to get any attention, just wanted to share some thoughts. A couple days later, I'm sitting on my back porch and I'm scrolling through my phone. Now there's some websites that I love to read about three, four, five times a week. Church leader website, leadership website. And one of those, one of those websites is churchleaders.com. Now I say this not to attack them. I'm saying it's a great website. It's, I, I gather some really great information from this website. I've sent staff articles from this website, churchleaders.com. But on this particular day, I was scrolling through churchleaders.com and this is what I saw. Disgraced pastor Perry Noble on repentance. Jesus changed me in his time by Stephanie Martin. Now, I don't know Stephanie Martin. Never met her in my life. I'm sure I'm not attacking Stephanie Martin. I'm sure she's a great girl, bless her heart. <laughs> if you're watching tonight, Stephanie, I'll get you another article soon. <laughs> now I gotta do it. I just, anyway, I, I'm sitting on my back deck and I'm like, disgraced. I don't feel disgraced. I, I feel restored. I feel forgiven, but so I, I start, have you ever gotten your own head? I'm getting my own head going, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe this is wrong. Maybe I shouldn't be pastoring. If I'm disgraced and I just got called disgraced by Stephanie Martin and I don't know who the, that is, but I'm, and, and God spoke to me. God spoke to me as, he said, read the verse on your arm. Do what? The verse you have tattooed on your arm. Let me pause. I have tattoos. I love tattoos. I'm so thankful you know about a verse in Leviticus. You don't know what comes before it. You don't know what comes after it. Yeah, so just, if you got your Leviticus verse and you got your rock to throw, this is not the place to throw it. Because I, I, got, I got verses to throw back at you. But we won't talk about that. He told me to read the verse on my arm. Disgraced. I said, all right. I have called you from the ends of the earth saying, you are my servant. For I have chosen you and will not throw you away. So, in that moment, God reminded me that, that Stephanie Martin or anybody else doesn't get to call me disgraced. That might be the label they put on me but that's not the label God put on me. And the reason I say that is not so anybody will feel some sort of way about me. I'm saying that because there's people in this room tonight, you feel disgraced because of something that you did or maybe something that was done to you. I, I don't know why, but here's what I know. Other people don't get to call you disgraced if you belong to Jesus. 
That may be their label, that's not God's label. God's label is forgiven, loved, and completely accepted. So the, the reason I say that is because I just wanna share some of God's word tonight because when I started praying through, like, God, what, what are some things from your word specifically that are gonna speak to some people in the room um, at every service? And, and, and one of the passages he laid on my heart was, well, let me just set it up like this. There are people in this room. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but there are people in this room, you doubt God's love for you. I, I'm one, I don't have a problem believing God can love anybody. But see, I know me, and you know you. And there's stuff that we do and there's stuff that we've done and we, we think there's no way that God could ever love somebody like me. But then Paul wrote in Romans chapter eight, because I've had people say, I've done this, does God love me anymore? And Paul said in Romans chapter eight, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. And I'm like you, I'm like, hey man, that's good. And Paul said, I ain't done. He keeps going. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In Christ, we are unconditionally loved and there's nothing we can do to get him to stop loving us. So I thought about that. And then, then I thought about there's somebody here tonight that you're facing, you're facing a battle. And then there's some uncertainty in regards to this battle that you're facing. And you're like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And you got some plans and ideas and some strategies. Why not lay that battle at the feet of Jesus and go ahead and start walking in victory? Because see, as followers of Christ, we don't have to pray for what we already have. We've already been given victory. And if God's been faithful in the past, why would he stop being faithful in the future? So instead of saying, God, please give me victory, why don't we just start saying, God, thank you for the victory you're gonna give me when I get there. I'm not asking for victory, I'm claiming victory and thanking you that I can walk in victory. Pastor P, where do you get an idea like that? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death. By the way, if we have victory over sin and death, your boss is not a big deal. It's not a big deal. If we have victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ, in Christ, we walk in victory. We're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. We've already won. <laughs> There's some people, I know, I, you're feeling this because I feel this. If I were you, I'd be feeling this. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. You don't, and you're right. I don't know what you're going through. I don't. And in some cases, I probably don't want to know what you're going through. But this is what I do know. If you're in Christ, if Jesus lives in you, you're, you're stronger than the storm that you're in the middle of. Pastor how can you say that? God's word. God's word allows me to say that because Paul said in Philippians 4.13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. When Jesus gives us strength, Paul said we can do 
everything. And before you dismiss it, Paul didn't write this when he was sitting on the beach sipping Mai Tais in the med. He wrote this in prison. He's in prison going, we can do all things through Christ because he gives us strength. His church, his word, and then last but not least, his spirit. I love talking about the Holy Spirit because the Baptists get nervous and the Charismatics get excited. In two weeks, two weeks from today, I'm doing an entire message on the subject of the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. You, you don't wanna miss it. Some of you may wanna bring a seatbelt. Others of you, you're like, ah, don't bring your tambourine or your ribbons. We're not gonna do any ribbon dances and we got no flags and nobody's dancing on stage, all right? No banners or anything like that. See, for some people, I go too far. For other people, I don't go far enough. But the role of the Holy Spirit is essential in the life of a believer. Now, I've, I, I'll just share this. I went to a thing one night with a friend of mine and it was, it was charismatic. It was charismaniac is what it was. It was I've never seen anything like this. This dude was up front and he was laying everybody out. They could have played, let the bodies hit the floor and it would have been appropriate because people were falling all over. And then and a woman would pass out with a dress and they had like modesty blankets. They'd come along and cover her and I, I was like, they did, they had modesty blankets. I'm not making this up. They just covered the lady and she all. <laughs> Pastor, are you making fun of this? Well, just stay with me for a second because I'm in the back with my buddy and I'm like, is this real? He said, why don't you go up and find out? Here's the deal. I'm not, if it's God and it's real, I'm not, I want it. I walked up. Little dude was up there. He put some, I, I found out later, it's oil, that anointing oil stuff. He put oil on my head and says something, prayed over me, and he pushed me. And so I pushed him back. <laughs> not just, he looked at me and I looked at him. He said, turn back, you got some more oil, put some more. I mean, he, I was shiny by this time. I'm shiny. He pushed me again, harder. And I stood there. And he was like, you, you don't have enough faith. I was like, you ain't got, you ain't got enough hair. Um, but I didn't say that. I just, I kind of held that in my heart. It's I get a little bit of darkness there. Um, and he told me, he said, you're not ready for it. Go back to your seat. And I went back to my seat and he said, what'd you think? I was like, try to push me down. I got him after the service. I know where, I know what he drives. And anyway, I, so that was that experience. And some people go, oh, that's not real. Well, hold on. Because about three or four years ago, I was by myself in my house, having my quiet time, nobody around. And I got my Bible and I got my journal and I'm praying. And before I knew it, I was praying in tongues. Don't know how long I prayed. Don't know what caused it. Don't know how it happened. I just knew in that moment it was the power of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't happen every day, but when it does, it's so special. So I'm, I'm telling you, I, I am not an expert on the Holy Spirit, but I can tell you he is not to be feared. He's to be welcomed.
Jesus was an expert on the Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus said in the Gospel of John. He said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Let me me just pause real quick. Have you ever been in a situation where you just felt completely abandoned and alone, and then all of a sudden something happened and you couldn't explain it, but you just felt like somebody all of a sudden just showed up and was with you in that moment? That's the Holy Spirit going, I'm here, you're not alone. And then he said this, he followed it up with this. He said, he said that he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Whose truth? God's truth. Now, every once in a while, you'll meet somebody that tries to sound intellectual and, and they just, man, they miss the mark. Every once in a while, I'll run into one of those people that are like, there is no such thing as absolute truth. And my question is, is that true? I mean, think about it. If there's no such thing as absolute truth, then the statement you just made can't be true. So you need to back that thing up. <laughs> and, sorry, my music selection sometimes didn't. Who, who, who leads you in whose truth? God's truth. This is, and we've talked about it before, but I'll just address it again. I'm just, Pastor B, I'm just, I'm just living my truth. Well, yeah, yeah, your truth sucks, and so does mine. I'm just living my truth. Yeah, well, when you were four years old, your truth was, I'm Batman. That was your truth when you were four years old. Thank God your parents were like, get your Batman pajamas off, we're going to church, right? It's not true. God's gonna line us up. God's word and God's spirit are always on the same page. And the spirit is gonna lead us in all truth. And then Jesus said this just a little while later. He said, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. Can you, can you imagine being there? You've been with Jesus three years, and he goes, guys, there's some stuff I want to tell y'all, but y'all can't handle it. Y'all can't handle it right now. But then he said this, when the spirit of truth, whoa, Jesus, there's that word again. You keep throwing it around like it's a big deal. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all, okay, okay, we got the point, truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Now, a lot of people focus on that part right there. He will tell you about the future. Oh, I want to know. I want to know the future. I want to know the lottery. I want to, that's not what he's talking about. I wish it was. He, this is, he's talking about your future. How do we know what our future is going to be like? Well, he will guide us through his word and his church and his spirit. And he's not speaking his own, but he will, he will tell us what he has heard. The spirit of truth guides us about our future. The spirit of truth will guide us about our future. Have you ever been getting ready? Just, and so many of you are gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. You're getting ready to make a decision. And right as you're getting ready to make the decision, you kind of feel something inside of you go, mm that's the Holy Spirit. He's like, he never yells, he never screams, 
He never condemns. Like, have you ever gotten a text message? And you're like, oh, I'm a lie. And the Holy Spirit goes, mm-mm. Mm-mm. And I've discovered if you type it out fast and send it anyway, it doesn't, then you feel like, you're like, that felt good. No, it didn't, I feel bad. I mean, that, that's what happens. So when we get God's church and we get God's word and we get God's spirit, there's no way you can get immersed in all those and not know God's plan. I, I'll, I'll finish it like this because December, last two weeks of December, especially this last week, I, I did something, this is more of a confession than it is anything else. I did something I told y'all not to do. I'll watch the news. And I watched all of them. I watched the conservative ones and the liberal ones and all the, all the ones that, if you come up and ask me to watch it, I did. And about three days after watching the news, I was depressed. Because our world's gone freaking crazy. There's no good news. Nothing. The economy's crashing. Clemson and South Carolina lost. Yeah, go dogs. Yeah, I, listen, I got nothing to say. Y'all won that game. Y'all won that game. I'm glad y'all paid that Ohio State kicker. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> Hope that boy's got a nice car. I was what, like the, the, the murder thing out in Idaho, that was tragic. Oh, there is so much bad news and it's coming at us on TV, on our phones. It, there's so much bad news and I started feeling like I, this world's out of control and nothing can be done and I literally started thinking, what, why, am I, why are we even doing church? Everything's just going to hell in a handbasket anyway and then I caught myself thinking that's why the church has been given the good news, the gospel. See, here's the good news. The good news isn't stop being an addict. The good news is you don't have to live that way anymore. The good news isn't stop it, do more, try harder. The good news is the price has been paid. Come sit down at the table, have a meal. That's the good news. The good news is we, we don't have to fight for life when we've been given life. It's, I had to stop looking at the bad news and focus on the good news. The good news is found in Romans chapter eight, verse 11. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Think about that. Jesus, fully God, fully man, fully dead. The spirit brings Jesus back from the dead. Can we all admit miracle? Yes, miracle, miracle. Okay, stay with me. Who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to you, to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. How can we make it in a world with so much bad news? It's simple. 
It takes me back to the the old hymn, because he lives. No matter what the economy throws our way, no matter what government throws our way, no matter who's in office, no matter what, he's alive. Because he's alive, we have strength, we have power, and we have the ability to make it through anything this world throws our way. So Jesus, tonight, as we take just a few moments to think about the fact that the tomb is empty and you are alive, Jesus, may we celebrate the fact that not only are you alive, but you are alive in us. And you have plans for our lives that are greater that are higher, that are better than anything we could ever plan on our own. Jesus, I pray tonight for the person that's struggling to surrender to your plan. They're asking the question tonight, why should I give my life to Christ? Why should I say yes to Jesus? Why should I say yes to your plans, Lord? God, may we know tonight It's because you are alive. And because you live, we have hope. And because you live, we have a future. In Jesus' name. How many people are glad that you have a risen Savior tonight who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he lives. So, Father, tonight, God, we just stand as a, as a group of people. And I'm not going to speak for you tonight. This is, this is just you, but maybe you would just hold your hands out in a posture of surrender and say, just say, Jesus, give me your thoughts. Show me your ways. Give me your thoughts, Jesus. Show me your ways. Because, because if, if you conquer death, There's nothing this world has that I can't face. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never prayed to receive Christ. And the bad news is if you don't have Christ in your life, the Bible says spiritually that you're dead. But the good news is that Christ can make you alive. Jesus did not die on the cross to make bad people good people. He died on the cross to make dead people become alive people. And if you're here tonight, you need to pray to receive Christ. I want to invite you right now to pray and ask Jesus to come in your life. And I'm going to ask you to pray it out loud. But you don't have to pray alone because we're going to pray it with you as a second chance family to let you know that you, when you cross over into the kingdom of God, you're not crossing over by yourself. You have a group of people around you that will love you and support you. And so if you're here and you need to pray to receive Christ tonight, you pray this and second chance families, pray, pray it with them. Just say, Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. You can have my whole life. In Jesus' name I pray. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room, if you just prayed that prayer, you just asked Christ, 
to come in your life. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. And I want you to celebrate with you. And I want you to do, I want you to let me know who you are by putting your hand in the air. If you just prayed to receive Christ, you put your hand straight up in the air and hold it up so we can see it. Oh, amen. I want to pray with you. I want to celebrate with you. I love the way that hand went straight up in the air. That was awesome. Anybody else? Anybody else all over the room? Father, I want to thank you for hands in the air all day today. I want to thank you, Jesus, that you crawl, you help people cross over. You, you brought them from death to life. Jesus, I want to thank you that you have plans for our lives. I want to thank you that those plans are greater than we could ever imagine. I want to thank you, God, for a church where we experience your presence every single time we get together. We don't take that for granted, Lord. I want to thank you that you're doing things in this room. I want to thank you that you're doing things in the people in this room. I want to thank you, Jesus, that we are just getting started and seeing what you're going to do with the people that show up here, the people that watch online. Father, I want to thank you that you are at work and that you will finish what you started. I want to thank you that you are good and that you have great plans for your children. I want to thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done and for all that you're going to do because we know that in you, the best is always yet to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody that agreed said amen and amen. Let's celebrate just for a second how awesome our Lord is. I hope you guys have a great week and we'll see y'all back here next Sunday.